say the game is getting old Monday morning and your coffee's cold Life is not what you want it to be Hello everyone and welcome to A New Direction My name is Jay Izzo and we have a very special show for you today Uh, Truth is, a couple weeks ago, Saturday I flew in with my wife for a 25th anniversary into Israel on October 7th. And when we flew in, we had no idea because there was no Wi-Fi on the plane that uh, 1,000 plus missiles had been just fired from uh, Gaza into Israel. We had no idea. We were picked up from the airport. We um, Everybody seemed fine, calm, cool, collected. Got to the hotel, which was right next to the embassy, by the way. Which, by the way, vacated <laughs> immediately. It closed down, right? And so we were at the hotel, but everything's cool. You know, matter of fact, we we were fine. And but clearly, you know, we were hearing the echoes of the missiles in the Iron Dome. Uh, you know, every day, every night, every afternoon, we'd be outside on the veranda. You hear him looking over the water. You hear it as helicopters rolling by. And I've never been in the middle of a war. It's the first time I'd ever been in one, right? And uh, I know for us, we just said, you know what? We're going to make the best of it. We're going to do what we can do. And you know what? We went about, we even took a seven-mile walk through Tel Aviv while this is all going on with a couple friends and, and just made the best of it. Well, we're in... A, Israel's in a war that is unique because the enemy that they face is a unique enemy. This isn't the, this isn't a standard type of war. Uh, it, honestly, Hamas is uh, an enemy uh, like another, and you can include Hezbollah in that. Uh, they both kind of are the same corporation, two different divisions. And there is a lot of questions about how do you lead when you face an enemy that makes no sense or an enemy that is bent on your destruction or an enemy that doesn't play by rules how do you lead through that well uh, my guest here today uh, Major General John Gronsky he's retired Major General has been through this situation a similar situations um, and he has agreed to come on the show and help us kind of make sense of leadership in this particular kind of conflict and how you go about doing that and how we can keep our calm and our confidence and uh, how do you lead when you face an enemy that's bent on your destruction? How do you lead when you face an enemy that doesn't play by those rules? That's tough. That's tough. But there are applications, and so we are inviting you today to kind of uh, join us and do this. Typically, I would go through the four areas of your life: physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. Typically, that's what we do. Um, but we're going to do something a little different today. We're not going to do that today because I just feel like this topic is too important. So let me uh, introduce um, Major General John Gronsky. He currently serves as a senior mentor for the U.S. Army Mission Command Training Program. An adjunct fellow for the Center for European Policy Analysis and president of Leader Grove, a leadership development and management consulting firm. He has served over 40 years in the United States Army and in the National Guard and retired from the Army in June of 2019. 
In Ramadi, a 2005, which is considered to be the bloodiest place on the planet, he led a brigade of 5,000-plus soldiers, Air, Navy, Marine troops. He commanded the 28th Infantry Division, known as the Bloody Bucket, from 2012 to 2016, and he was Deputy Commanding General of the U.S. Army in Europe. Uh, General Grodsky has completed Airborne School, Ranger School, the Infantry Officer Advanced Course, U.S. Army War College. He's received so many military awards, decorations, including the Army uh, Distinguished uh, Serval Medal uh, with Oak Cluster, the Legion of Merit uh, with Oak Leaf Cluster, Bronze Star, Iraq uh, Campaign Medal, Combat Infantry Badge. Uh, the list goes on. Um, he is a much sought after uh, sp- keynote speaker and leadership uh, seminar facilitator. Uh, listen, if you want to learn more uh, about my friend, General John Gronsky, you need to go to johngronsky.com. That's J O H N G R O N S K I.com. And I want to welcome him to the show because he's a friend, he's a mentor, and, uh, and I appreciate him. So, General, first of all, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, Jay, it's my pleasure to be with you. Thank you for the invitation. Hey, one correction on the introduction. Thank you for that gracious introduction. Sure. I I did step away from being a senior mentor for the uh, Mission Command Training Program, so I just wanted to correct that, but uh, I really appreciate being here. No, no, no. I'm so great. You know, you and I have had some talks after, you know, being on the show a couple times, and you graciously agreed to be here, and... So uh, I'm sure that would that's going to come up again in the AAR after the show. So, <laughs> so it's all good. So uh, I, I gave you this intro, the the Israel war with Hamas, and I you know there's no face to Hamas. You know Israel has Netanyahu, right? And uh, but it, Hamas doesn't have a face. When you're in that situation, how do you, as a leader, handle facing an enemy who has no face and yet is bent on your destruction? You know, Jay, I think it's like any type of challenge or adversity. And and by the way, I mean, this is significant adversity for, (laughs) for Israel. I'm not downplaying that at all. But whenever you're faced with this type of uh, adversity, I think the first thing you really have to do is uh take stock and what are your core values you know what are your national values and um take stock of those and no matter what uh you've got to stay true to those values i I think that's number one when you're facing an enemy like this or really any adversity or challenge and i think any leader listening uh could apply that to any situation they go through but uh, that is so important. And if you stray away from those values, I like to say, if you mortgage your values mm. in order to get ahead, you only get behind. Mm. Uh, so you really have to be uh, clear eyed on what your values are. And no matter how difficult it is, it's really important that you stay on course uh, to keep aligned with those values. How do you, or how did you, you know, when I was, when I was there and there was for three days, and, you know, I first got there and go into the hotel and, you know, I, you know, I'm, I stand about six feet, four inches tall, 240. And I come strolling into the room, uh, you know, but I could see fear in the eyes of people. And, and I'm sure you've experienced that where you've seen fear in the eyes of your people. I saw fear where 
they were looking for any sense of hope at all. When when you're faced with this kind of enemy, how do you deal with fear and how do you lead through fear? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, there's an old saying that um, courage is not the absence of fear, but it's the ability to overcome fear. Mm. And one of the best ways to do that is to understand what your purpose is and what you're really all about. Uh, now, I could understand civilians, especially if there were civilians visiting from other countries like you and your wife were, uh, you know, a lot of people uh, come to Israel from many, many different countries. So obviously that that's a little bit different situation. I mean, here you have people caught up in something that they never expected to be caught up in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you've just got to uh, focus on overcoming that fear in various ways for uh, you know, the brigade that that I led over in, in Ramadi, I mean, one of the ways to overcome that fear is to really understand what your purpose is. So it was a little bit different for us because we understood that our purpose for conducting combat operations in Ramadi was to protect our families, our friends, and all Americans back at home. Uh, but it's really understanding what your purpose in life is in order to be able to overcome that fear. You know, it's interesting that you say that. You know, we had this, we, had, my, my wife had been planning this thing for a year and uh, for a 25th wedding anniversary. And she was bent that we were going to go to Galilee and we were going to get remarried <laughs> again and redo our vows and that we were going to get baptized in the Jordan. She was, that was, she was bent that we were going to do that on that Tuesday. And we even met with our guide who, you know, was IDF. Right. And we met, we met with our guy guide showed up and he said, yeah, you know, we may be able to go to the Northeast side of Israel and still make that happen. And then of course, Monday rolled around and he was under fire and I I'm still in contact with him on my WhatsApp. Right. Cause he's still contacting me telling me he's under fire and they're, they're still coming. And, uh, then he says, you know, we're not gonna be able to go out. And then, of course, our hotel shuts down in uh, Tiberias. So situation had changed, right, immediately. So when that happens, right, the, the truth of the matter is we felt, we felt like we had first had a purpose, but then when that changed, we felt that we had to make a different, we had to, we had to pivot. Mm-hmm. And, and we had to pivot in a positive way. We weren't going to pivot out of fear. We just, you know, we're going to pivot in a positive way. We'd set everything up. How do you get people when you're in the middle of a situation? Because there's no, there's no uh, rhyme or reason to why war occurs and how that happens. How do you get people to pivot as a leader and, and maintain their, and maintain a positive attitude? Yeah. But, but you know, um, you know, we all have plans as humans, right? Right. But, you know, we, we have to realize that sometimes God has a different plan and, and we have to be, we have to be willing to accept that. So, so obviously, yeah, I get God it. had a different plan than what your wife had. Yeah, yeah, reach, yeah, yeah plan right. trumps your wife's plan. Yeah. Uh, so, so you just have to understand that. And, and it is, I mean, it is about showing some resiliency, showing the resolve to overcome those, um, you know, the adversity that we face and and uh, remaining positive having that positive mindset having a growth mindset mm-hmm. uh, 
knowing that, uh, you know, my, I like to say, when, you know, when I talk about leadership, I talk about leaders being optimistic and what I, how I define that is leaders have to believe that tomorrow is going to be better than today, right. but they have to have a believable plan to go along with that optimism. I mean, you just can't be a, a Pollyanna leader looking out of rose colored glasses, telling everybody, Hey, tomorrow's going to be better. You, you've got to have a plan to go along with that. And it sounds to me like you and your wife were able to develop a, uh, as you mentioned, a positive plan. Yes, we did. To, um, you know, focus on what you really traveled overseas for. And that was, you know, your celebration, your personal right. celebration and, and uh, figuring that out. But again, I think leaders in times of crisis have to show that optimism. They have to uh, communicate to their followers that, hey, you know, we, we're in tough times right now, but we're putting a plan together and this plan is going to allow tomorrow to be better than, better than today and, and then communicate that and communicate the purpose and, and all of those things. I mean, that, you know, leaders don't have to be great all the time, but they have to be great when it matters. And these crisis situations, that's when leaders need to step up and be great. Yeah. Let, let, let's shift to the conflict in, in Israel and Gaza because, you know, we, we have Netanyahu, who we're going to talk about a little bit here and from a leadership standpoint and what he's doing. But how do we analyze the leadership of Hamas? How do we, how do we take analysis of that that helps us to understand how they are led? Is there, is there a way we can do that from your, from your experience I think you have to look at the stated purpose of Iran. And of course, Hamas is a proxy of Iran and their stated purpose is the destruction of Israel. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's their stated purpose. Mm-hmm. And and that's what they're hell bent on achieving, unfortunately. Uh, they're an evil in this world. And, you know, it, it's hard to get into the mind, mind of a guy like a Hitler, right? Right, right, it, right. It's hard to get into the mind of an organization like like Hamas, where they're just hell bent on on evil, and there's uh, very very hard to have a you know to have a negotiation with them. Uh, but but that's their stated purpose. That's what they're focused on. I mean, in Gaza, that's what they've been spending the last over ten years uh, doing is is preparing for these type of attacks, mm-hmm. creating that tunnel system within mm-hmm. Gaza. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when you have an evil in the world like that, it's hard to understand uh, why, uh, you know, they, they've got that purpose. But unfortunately, they do. And I think we have to understand that. Well, I'm I'm just thinking about it. And I agree. I'm just thinking about this from the standpoint of how do they how do they organize to lead themselves? Right. Is there some, you know, typically, like I said, you know, we see Netanyahu. Right, and then he has everything else. Who, who, who is the organizational leader? Is there one? Is it? Is there? Is there a decision maker? How is that? Because I, I don't want. I don't mean to say like it's haphazard, but it does feel a little haphazard. You know, as far as Hamas is concerned. But how? How? How are they? What is the leadership style? I can't. I'm trying to figure it out. So maybe you can help me out here a little bit. Yeah, my understanding is they do have a stated leader. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, I, I, I can't tell you by name who that right. person is, but I just saw a blurb on the news this morning 
uh, where the leaders of, of Hamas and Hezbollah actually met. Uh, mm. And uh, they're for sure aligning uh, with that stated purpose of destroying Israel. So, right. you know, they do have a, a, a chain of command, if you will. Mm. Uh, but again, like most terrorist groups, uh, they, they work in cells and it's pretty hard to cut the head off the snake mm. because they morph. Uh, and and uh, that, that's one of the reasons why it's so hard to conduct a conventional operation against terrorist cells. It's almost impossible to do that. It really comes down to uh, having great intelligence, uh, taking, taking time to put the pieces together, and then being able to carry out precise operations using asymmetric means, which means using special operations forces. That's that's really, I think, the best way to deal with uh, terrorist groups like that. Pretty hard to go in with a conventional force and find the bad guy. Yeah, this is this is this has been this has been an issue because it's almost like you don't know who it is. Sure. I mean, that's what it feels like. Like you don't know. You know, I I am as. Uh, I'm like everyone else. I don't want to see innocent people killed. I don't, right? But we don't know who that is, right? And I, I have to believe on the Israel side, right? Which seems like to play in fair to me. I mean, they're telling the people, hey, this is where we're going to go, you know, so get out. I mean, it's kind of how it seems to me. And you and I talked before the show. They're, you know, they're probably not doing a real great job of, of you know, controlling their own, um, controlling their own narratives and, and being able to actually get things out appropriately um, into the world. But this this enemy is like a starfish. They keep, you know, you cut off you cut off a leg of a starfish, they grow back. That's that's how it feels. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, it's, it's pretty hard to annihilate a terrorist element like Hamas. I, th- I think the best thing for Israel, and I know a lot of uh, Israelis, uh, and, and, and friends of Israel may not want to hear this, but, but I think the, their main focus should be on, uh, number one, protecting their citizens. Uh, number two, really uh, working on intelligence so they could find out where these hostages are being held and conducting precision operations to rescue the hostages once they locate them. And I know that's a big challenge. Uh, obviously, they don't know where, where they are being held. And, and then, um, you know, rooting out uh, specific Hamas terrorists, again, based on, on intelligence. There's probably still Hamas terrorists within Israel. Mm-hmm. So to find out where they are and to root them out and, and, and kill them. And, uh, and if there's some actionable intelligence which would allow them to conduct raids or precision strikes into Gaza, specifically to take out those Hamas terrorists. That's what you have to do. You know, there's a lot of uh, missiles, uh, you know, still uh, attacking Israel from from Gaza. Mm -hmm. Uh, The key is, are you able to uh, find out where where those points of origin are in a timely manner where you could actually destroy those systems that are firing missiles into uh, Israel? It does no good to pound dirt 
uh, once a, a system in Gaza, you know, fires a missile and then displaces. And then if the Israelis try to attack that point of origin and there's no longer a system there, all they're doing is pounding dirt and perhaps killing innocent civilians. And there, there's just no there's just no good in that. And, and you've got to be able to use the restraint necessary. You know, something uh, Thucydides said over 2000 years ago, Thucydides was a Athenian uh, general. And he said, of all the manifestations of power, restraint impresses men most. And I really think as hard as it is to do, uh, based on, you know, the values of, of the state of Israel, uh, they've, they've really got to be focused on not harming civilians within Gaza, uh, because not every civilian within Gaza is a terrorist. No, no, no. You're right. You're absolutely. You're absolutely right. Um, we're talking with General John Gronsky, uh, and uh, we're talking. We, you know, we're also incorporating his great book. By the way, it's his fabulous book, Iron Sharpen Leadership. I really suggest that you get yourself a copy. I don't care what you do. I don't care what stage of life you're in. I'm telling you, I've read this book twice. I, I went back again and read it before the show again. Um, I'm just telling you, it's a great book. Iron Sharpen Leadership. Um, get yourself a copy. You're listening to him here on a new direction. Hey, folks, uh, Epic Physical Therapy, whether you're recovering from injury, surgery, or suffering everyday aches and pains, having difficulty performing activities of daily living, uh, professional athletes or athletes, you're just looking to improve and move and make your sport better. You listen, you, if you want a customized treatment for you, that's what they will do. It's, it's absolutely customized to you. When you're ready for your Epic Relief, your Epic Recovery, Epic Results, do not look any further. Go to EpicPT.com. That's E-P-I-C-P-T.com. And Linda Craft Team Realtors for nearly 39 years. They have helped people transition in life. I know it's a real estate company, but think about this. Every place that you've ever lived has been a transition in life, and they have done that for thousands of people, and they would like to do that for you because they help take the stress and so many emotions out of the largest purchase, personal purchase you're probably going to make in a lifetime. So when you're ready to sell your home or buy your next home, start with Linda Craft Team Realtors. It's real easy. Just go to lindacraft.com. That's L-I-N-D-A. C-R-A-F-T dot com. And we're back here on A New Direction with uh, General John Gronsky, Major General John Gronsky, uh, U.S. Army retired, and uh, we're talking about the Israel-Hamas war, and uh, we're also weaving in elements from Iron Sharpen Leadership, his outstanding uh, book. It's absolutely van- fantastic. And I've seen, General, I've seen you... Um, out on the road speaking, and you seem like you're very busy, and people are singing uh, all sorts of praises about the book. How's that part been going? Has it been very successful for you? Have you have you been able to uh, achieve the goals that you had in your mind in terms of you know getting the word out about Iron Sharpen Leadership? Yeah, you know, I, I like to say, you know, I re- I rely on God to help me uh, have the grace, have the strength to get a good positive word out there that will help leaders. And, and my purpose is to help leaders who want to improve to become better leaders. I mean, that that that's what it's about. Uh, I have been on the road a lot. You know, I've been in Texas. I've been in Florida, uh, New Jersey. Uh, a cool thing just happened. You know, I did a, a speaking engagement for a large company in, in the Philadelphia area. And one of the people who were listening to me speak actually just... Uh, 
bought a copy of my book, Iron Sharpened Leadership, and had me mail it out to Montana because uh, his daughter is a, a young enlisted airman. Uh. And uh, it was really cool that, you know, he, he read my book, he heard me speak, and then he wanted his daughter, who, as I mentioned, is in the Air Force, uh, to uh, be able to uh, to read the books. So, and, you know, that made me feel really good. It, 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 you know, makes you feel like, you know, what you're saying, what you're writing is really having a positive impact on people. So that's going well. And then real quick, uh, I also rolled out some online leadership training. So if people go to my website, they could, you know, they don't have an opportunity to hear me speak in person. They could actually enroll in an online leadership training course. I have several courses out there and that's been going really well. So I'm just very blessed and I appreciate you asking about that, Jay. Yeah, and also I would I would also tell you, uh, listeners and viewers, by the way, if you're watching us on DBTV all over the world, um, uh, if you're, I would subscribe to the email list. Uh, there is a, you have an email, I, I subscribe to it and I get these yeah. little tidbits that come through regularly about, about leadership and leadership things and different ways to think and and how to approach uh, the way we do leadership and I find I find them beneficial. I read them. I know I am one of those people who read the, the, the emails. I, I do that, uh, but they're they're fantastic. So I really recommend all of you uh, not only get a copy of the book. You should do that. Um, is it by the way? Is it in audio yet? Yes, it is. It's on Audible. So yeah. it is on Audible. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you know what? I know some of you go, yeah, I don't want to read the book. Listen to it. <laughs> Listen to it. You don't have to, if you don't like to read, get it on audible. It's that easy. All right. So you have no excuses. Um, why you shouldn't. And, and if you've got young people, you know what, then, and they don't want to read, then good, get them the audible version and, and have them listen to it. And then, you know, here's what you do parents with your children and books and listening to books. Don't have them listen to the whole book. Do it in sections and then talk about it. Yeah. Talk about it. What did you get? And don't make them have, they don't have to have a long soliloquy. All I, this is what I tell my coaching clients. This is what I tell um, people I teach. If you could pull out maybe three things. One's good. Two's awesome. But if three is amazing. But if you could pull out a couple things out of every time you listen that you could take home and then Ask this question to your kids. How are you going to apply it? How can you make this happen in your life right now? That's when that's when books change lives. And I believe in this book and it does that. So um, there's a suggestion from Coach Jay of how to uh, um, manage that piece of it for you and help your kids grow and learn, especially in leadership. So General, let's talk next about Netanyahu and his leadership style. And what you've seen from your perspective in terms of leadership and 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 what he's doing that let's start with what he's doing. Let's just start in general. What do you see him doing? What do you see him as a leader? How do you see him responding and acting? Yeah, well, it's 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 obvious that uh, Netanyahu loves his country. Mm. Uh, I mean, he's been uh, in various political positions for many, many years now. He's always been uh, well-spoken. Uh, you know, he is conservative. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's, he's doing what he feels is the best thing to do for his nation. I, I really do think, uh, I already mentioned it, you know, I, I think de-escalation would be the way to go. 
you know, the thing with, with people in political positions is, you know, unfortunately, um, they sometimes uh, will make decisions based on what they think the best political advantage is. Now, I'm not saying Netanyahu is doing that because I don't have uh, that type of insight on the decisions he's making, but I, I, I really think uh, taking a different course would be the best approach for Israel. And, you know, obviously Israel is one of our greatest allies. I, I really think they're uh, a fantastic friend of the United States, and I just want to see what's best for them. And I, I think uh, with the bombing they're doing in Gaza, uh, which has killed many, many civilians, uh, really is not doing the country any good. But uh, I think the way we have to look at political leaders, Jay, and, and I think the United States could take a lesson from this, you know, it's too divisive. Mm. You know, we sometimes uh, make some of our uh, political leaders appear like they're the devil incarnate. I mean, that that's not true. I think, I think anybody in the United States in political leadership is generally, I'd say 99% of them are trying to do what's best for our country. They have different views. Uh, and I think the same with with uh, Israel. You know, uh, Netanyahu obviously has a lot of political opponents in Israel. We know for months and months now uh, that they've been going through political turmoil. Mm -hmm. And some people think that's why Hamas decided to attack, because Israel seemed a little bit uh, politically dis dysfunctional. Uh, so I, I think perhaps people sense some weakness there. But you know, I, I, I think Netanyahu is a man who loves his country. He's trying to make the right decisions. And, you know, he's got advisors around him, of course, just as any political leader would have. Uh, but I don't have any particular insight into what is driving his decision-making process. You, you said two things that just, well, one thing that opened up a mind is dysfunction. And, and then I immediately jumped to vulnerability. That, yeah. you know, whether we're, whether it's a war or whether you're in business, that if you are in dysfunction, you become vulnerable. So, yeah, so, yeah. so let's talk about, <laughs> let's talk about that because that's a real world issue for many people who are CEOs or uh, business ownership entrepreneurs is dysfunction creates vulnerability. So how do we guard ourselves as leadership? to make sure that we're not headed dysfunctional or we're, we not become dysfunctional so that we're not vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I you know, you're using the word vulnerability. I'll, I'll use the word weakness. Okay. Uh, I think uh, that type of political dysfunction does make a country weaker mm. uh, and uh, whether it's real or perceived. Uh, and I do think perhaps the enemies of Israel perceived that there was a, a weakness there that they could take advantage of. Uh, that, that, that's why, again, I'm, I'm so, oh, uh, I'll use the word disappointed in, in what is going on in our country as well with, with the political dysfunction we're seeing in, in, in Congress, uh, you know, trying to uh, select a, a, a speaker. Um, it, it, does, it does not do the country any good. At some point in time, Political leaders, even with diverse views, have to come together for the good of the country. Mm. Uh, and it's about negotiating. It's it's about you know stating what our views are, but but being able to 
um, negotiate and, and have civil conversations and civil discourse for the good of our nation. And I, I think that's a lesson uh, many democracies should, should really be learning from what we've seen uh, going on over the last number of months in both Israel and the United States. I, I, I could not agree more with you uh, on this. I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about this dysfunction, and then you use the word weakness here. Then what I start, what I start thinking of, General, is predators. Yeah. Right. Because then, you know, I'm just an old farm boy, <laughs> so, so you know, I'm I'm thinking about you know when when an animal shows weakness, predators show up pretty quickly, right? And yeah, and and if there's a if there's a dysfunctional chaos that creates weakness in a herd predators show up again pretty quickly you know we've been we have coyotes and wolves out in the midwest and uh so i guess i want you to talk about uh that guarding as a leader how do i guard how do i guard myself from allowing that dysfunction or allowing that weakness to occur what what is it that i need to do to protect that, what does my awareness have to be? Yeah, to protect well, against that. Jay, Jay, I'm not a politician, so I, I have a hard time talking about these political realities that that do exist. But, but for any business, very, but for any business, it doesn't. Yeah, matter. from from a very very base tactical perspective, I mean, whenever we had a patrol out in Ramadi, we always said if the patrol demonstrates strength uh, by the way they by the way they're you know. Um, just you know de- demonstrating strength by being alert uh by looking sh- looking sharp by you know having their weapons oriented in the right directions by you know all of those things which you could you could imagine a patrol that where the soldiers look strong and 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 they're doing the right thing they're acting professional they're demonstrating strength you could have another patrol uh where the leadership isn't that good uh, you know, they're, 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 you know, the, the soldiers might be lazy, their weapons might be pointed downward, whatever the case might be. And, and there's some weakness displayed by a patrol like that. So we always said, uh, you've got to demonstrate strength. And I think the same is true for any organization. And one of the ways you demonstrate strength is by uh, the leaders being able to unite the people and build a team and and make an emotionally safe environment within the organization that that particular leader might lead. And here I'm talking about business. Sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, You know, a a leader has to be a team builder. And and one of the ways to to build a, a team is by creating a culture where people feel like they belong, nobody is being ostracized, uh, nobody is being neglected. Neglected. Everybody feels like they're being heard, and everybody understands the standards. And this is another important thing, Jay. You know, some leaders have a hard time, and I found this in business. You know, working at uh, higher levels with senior VPs and that type of thing, I've noticed that some business leaders are really good at stating what the standard is, but when it comes to enforcing the standard they fail. Mm. They don't have the personal courage 
to enforce standards. And I believe when a leader doesn't enforce standards, they're actually destroying trust within that particular organization. And this is what happens when a leader doesn't enforce standards. The low performers in that organization will stay because the standards aren't being enforced and the low performers are okay with that. And then the high performers will dribble away little by little. And so it's really counter, you know, some leaders think I don't want to enforce the standards because I'm going to lose people. Hey, guess what? The people you're going to lose are going to be the low performers anyway. Uh, high performers will stay if standards are enforced. High performers will leave if standards are not being enforced. Plus, it's going to degrade trust in an organization. So I kind of I kind of pivoted over here to yeah. uh, providing some guidance to leaders who are leading an organization, leading a business unit. Uh, but it's true. And I think you could really, uh, you know, look at that in, even from an, a, a national resiliency level as well. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I, 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 something jumped into my head as you were as you're speaking. And I started thinking about how important is it from a leadership standpoint to be so aware, have self-awareness of what's really going on, not what, oh you, my God. not what you think is going on, but what's really going on. Yeah. And the way you have to do that, and I like to use the term muddy boots leader, you know, uh, you know, it's been known as management by walking around. I like to call it muddy boots leadership, but that's really getting out there, looking people in your organization in the eye and actually getting a, uh, an understanding of how they're feeling. I think the best way to do that is to engage people. You know, I was talking to a, a senior VP from a national rental company and he, he said his technique uh, and again, it was a, a, a national rental company. So his technique is when he would go to visit a rental store, the first thing he would do would be instead of engaging the people in the showroom, he would go to the back of the building where the people who would receive uh, product were back there, the people who would maintain equipment were back there, and he would spend time talking to them first because they were the support people. They were the people who rarely, rarely got visited people out in the showroom were always getting, you know, attention and love. So he would go to those fo folks first and really engage them, find out what obstacles were in their way that he and his position of authority might be able to remove those obstacles or find out what resources they needed. So he and his position of authority could possibly provide those resources to those people. And that is just a great way to cultivate and, and grow trust in an organization. And, 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 and I, this is okay. This is where, yeah. Listen, I'm not a politician. First of all, not enough people would vote for me uh, because I would. I would because I stand on my principles, and that might be a problem as a politician. Um, I just threw that out there. But one of the things that we don't see in politics is often is muddy boots leadership. Yeah, it's true. I mean, when, yep. when, when's a, I mean, when, you know, and this is where it goes back to, are you really, really, are you just, are we, do we move into a dictatorship of this is, you know what, this is my values, this is what I think, and so this is the way it's going to be, or have you really walked out there and said, you know what, oh my gosh, we're a little dysfunctional here. We got, we got, we got, we got, a, we have a huge divide and we don't have a big enough bridge. You know, it seems as though politicians get around and see people when they're running for re-election. <laughs> but, but, but I would like to see them get out there prior to the election season starting 
and really get out there and engage people and see what the heck is going on and and, and get a good look at it. You know, the interesting thing is, you know, we talk about, you know, in, in the Army, you know, uh, the Army is really focused on leadership training. And law enforcement, I think, needs to get that way. And, and I often think the ones who really need to go to leadership training, and perhaps it should be some type of mandatory requirement, are chief executives of municipalities. Mm. I'm talking about mayors, mm. or I'm talking about chief executives of states. I'm talking about governors, you know, those type of people, uh, you know, God bless them, but, but some of them uh, may never have gone through what we would consider leadership training. Yeah. You know, many of them really don't understand how to lead. And I think it's important that those chief executives really understand what their role as a leader is. Um, I'm just throwing this out, General. Are you willing to do a course for um, you know municipality people in municipalities? Are you willing to do a course for them on leadership training? Well, I, I'm doing a lot of work with law enforcement all throughout the country uh, because I do think law enforcement. I think some of the issues we saw with law enforcement over the last several years. Uh, really had to do with uh, poor leadership. Mm. Uh, and uh, I do a lot of leadership training for law enforcement now, and I would love to do leadership training for uh, what I call chief executives of muni municipalities of, of, of local government. I think that's needed. I, I could not agree more. I think it starts, it's going to start here, and then we got to move it out. His name is uh, Major General John Goronsky, retired his book, Iron Sharpen Leadership. We are weaving in... Hamas, Israel, business, we're just covering it all because we can, all right? And we're enjoying it, and and you know what? Thanks for tuning in and watching us. Um, we're going to be back on a new direction right after this. Hey, folks, Epic Physical Therapy uh, facilities offer the most advanced top-of-the-line equipment like the Ultra-G anti-gravity treadmill, the Normatec compression sleeves, my favorite, Game Ready, that's ice and compression all at the same time. That's just a few. Listen, they're trained and certified in the most comprehensive Cutting-edge treatments available like blood flow restriction therapy, cupping, dry needling, and that's just a few. So listen, when you're ready for your epic relief, your epic recovery, your epic results, don't look any further. Go to epicpt.com. That's E-P-I-C-P-T.com. And Linda Craft Team Realtors for more than 38 years, uh, they have been helping people all over the world. Uh, transition in their life. Uh, every home you've ever lived in, every apartment you've ever lived in, it's been a life transition. You can point to the different points in your life, right? Well, that's what they do. What they do is they help people transition in life. And how they do that is they take the stress out of it. They've been helping thousands of people reduce the stress. They have everything in front of them. They know how to help the step-by-step -step processes to make that process as smooth as possible. So listen, when you are ready to sell or buy your home and you want it to be smooth, and you want to take the stress out of it, just go to Linda Craft Team Realtors. Listen, they're experts in it. 38 plus years, still going. You can just find them at lindacraft.com. That's L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T dot com. And we're back here on A New Direction with General John Gronsky, uh, retired um, from the U.S. Army. Uh, his book, Iron Sharpen Leadership, available, by the way, on Audible, which I did not know until today. Uh, but it's it's awesome. Did you read for the book, by the way? Did you do the reading of it? No, no, I didn't. Um, I've I've talked to some people who said they they wish I had read it, but uh, <laughs> I, I did not. Uh, but uh, still, the um, the professional reader who read the book is is awesome, and I think people would enjoy it. Yeah, I I think you have a great voice for it, by the way, General. I I, I did I listen. I did two of my books. So two of my books, I went into the studio and read for them. 
And uh, uh, by the way, it, it was work. I'm not going to lie to you. It was some work. Um, but I think you have a great voice. Now, listen, I have a face for radio, and yet I'm on TV. So, I mean, there's, there's, there's that whole thing there, too. All right. So, let's talk about uh, one of the things. Uh, I'm just going to jump back and forth here, as we're kind of doing. In this Israel war, uh, the guy who was actually going to uh, renew our vows in Israel and was going to baptize us in um, uh, the Jordan um, is in the IDF. And, uh, he, he did a, you know, he's, he's got his gear on, you know, he's got his weapon and he's coming to us from wherever his undisclosed location is. Um, and he mentions that they were able to like get 330,000 forces together in like 24 hours. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's a leadership thing to me. Yeah. How? Well, the, the, the thing is, Jay, in, in Israel, they primarily rely on their reserve forces. Uh, and so, you know, they do, they're constantly doing exercises to uh, call up the reserves. Uh, so it's no surprise to me that they were able to call up 330,000 reservists in, in a matter of, of a day or two. I mean, that, that's, that's how they operate. They understand that they're uh, in a bad neighborhood uh they've got a lot of enemies in that neighborhood and they've they've got to be ready to go and and they're they're a country that really relies very very heavily and primarily on their reserve force and you know what what speaks to me and i'm going to go back to resiliency and in in your book which is the third section of the book one of the quotes that you say is a resilient person's type of person who meets challenges head-on and wins Optimism and enthusiasm are two key traits of resilience. And I have to tell you in this video with Chaim Mielspin, uh, who was was doing the video, you saw both of those things. It was optimism and enthusiasm. I mean, he, he was firmly entrenched saying, listen, we're shepherds. That's how he saw it. He said, we're just shepherds who are protecting the sheep. That's how he saw it. And it was... I mean, I mean, and under the circumstances, here's this optimistic, enthusiastic guy, you know, geared out, ready to go. And yet that's, it just seems so critical to have those two pieces in resiliency. Explain why they're so important. Yeah. Well, you know, Colin Powell said optimism is a force multiplier. Uh, And, um, you know, people look to leaders in times of crisis. And it's the demeanor that the leader displays, which is going to trickle down to the people they lead. And obviously over in uh, Ramadi, we went through some very tough times over there. And, you know, as, as the brigade commander, I, I, I realized that I had to have that optimism. I had to have that, that positive mindset because the soldiers and Marines I led were relying on me mm-hmm. to display that type of, of, of attitude. People don't want a leader that's going to throw up their hands and say, oh, we're doomed. You know, right. people want a leader. And and I said it before, and I think I think Zelensky was a, a great example of leaders being great when, when it matters. And again, I think if President Zelensky left Ukraine, you know, days after the uh, Russians attacked his country, Kiev probably would have fallen in about a week, but but he stayed there. 
he was able to inspire his people. And, and again, they, they continue to battle against uh, that, that terrible Russian attack. And I think the leaders in Israel have to do the same thing. And I will tell you this about the IDF. You know, I've, I've met uh, a good number of IDF soldiers. Their training is very Spartan. Uh, they really believe in their cause to protect their their homeland and protect their their country. As a matter of fact, I've met several Americans who traveled back to Israel to serve in the Israeli Defense Force. Uh, I mean that that's how dedicated they are to uh, protecting uh, their their state of Israel. So uh, uh, you, you don't discount uh, the the attitude and the resolve that, that the Israelis have to defend their country. Uh, but uh, again, they, I think they really need to be focused on doing the right things in accordance with their values rather than just lashing out. Uh, because of course, they're, they're hurt, they're angry, uh, they're distraught over this, this terrible attack that Hamas waged on their, their, their country. Uh, you know, well over a thousand Israelis were killed in that attack. Mm -hmm. Well over 200 people, civilians primarily were taken hostage. I mean, obviously any country is going to feel uh, very, very much pain over that. You know, it's similar to how we felt on September 11, 2001. Uh, and we, we have to remember how we felt back then. Uh, but, it, but again, uh, a country with the values of, of countries like the United States, with the values of Israel, like uh, the values of many uh, of our other democratic allies out there, we have to understand what our values are and we've got to respond in accordance with our values, no matter how difficult that is. And the same goes for us as individuals. We have to really understand truly uh, what, what our values are, what our core values are, and then we've got to conduct ourselves in accordance with our core values and make personal decisions in accordance with our core values. And I think, I think that's where some people go wrong. And I think that's where some countries go wrong. Uh, if they really aren't focused on what their core values are and they don't make decisions in accordance with those values, uh, that's where they could go off course. And don't you think that's so important, Jay? You know, we talk a lot about values. So how do you use values? Well, one of the ways you're supposed to use values is when you're going to make a decision, whether it be a personal decision or an organizational decision or a national decision, you should factor your core values into those in, into your decision-making process. I, th I think if you do that, it's going to keep you on azimuth and, 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 and keep you functioning in accordance with those those values. It's supposed to be a filter. Yeah, that, that's it how is. I, that's how I see values. I mean, if you first of all, what's interesting is when I ask people, what are your core values? I am shocked how many people really can't give me an answer, You're or they exactly give, right. or they give me a standard answer. Well, integrity. Right? What does that really mean to you? Right, right. I mean, so I'm I'm always amazed that people don't really think through what their values are. And then secondly, you know that those values, whether it's personally, whether it's your company, whether it's a government, whatever those values are, then every decision has to be filtered through those values. That that's how I you, see it. You hit the nail on the head, Jay. Uh, and, and you know, when I was in my late 20s, I went to hear a speaker talk and she was talking about her how her core values led to her being a successful chief executive officer of a, of a company. And as I was driving home, I, I realized I never thought 
long and hard about what my core values are. So I came up with, with service, persistence, integrity, commitment, positive energy, and respect. Mm -hmm. Those are my stated core values. If anybody asked me what they are, I could tell them right away. Mm -hmm. And then the other key thing is you've got to link behaviors to those values. So in other words, okay, what are the behaviors associated with service? You know, what does that really look like? Because service is kind of vague, isn't it? What the, yeah, hell, yes. what, what the heck does that mean? Right. You know, so, so really identify what behaviors link to service, what behaviors link to persistence, what behaviors link to integrity, what does that look like? And companies could do this with their employees based on what their organization uh, organization's values are. Yeah. Uh, it's a great exercise to go through. And that way, employees understand these are the behaviors I am expected to demonstrate if I'm going to be part of this organization, if I'm going to be part of that company. And, and a lot of uh, a lot of people just fail to do that exercise. I, I agree. And 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 I, I cannot encourage it more. And and by the way, it's talked about here in Iron Sharpen Leadership. Um, get the book or you know what? How about this? Here's an idea, folks. Why don't you buy the book and then buy the audible and then just read along? Okay. That would be a great idea because you're going to get a lot more out of it that way. Uh, General, we've done an hour. Um, it's gone fast. You've been awesome. And, th and thank you for being so gracious to be on this show. Um, again, let people know how they can reach you. Um, yeah, people could reach me easiest by just going on my website, johngronsky.com, as you mentioned a little bit earlier. And you mentioned they could sign up for the periodic leadership email that I send out. They could enroll in some of these online leadership courses that I've developed. And there's a lot of free leadership development material on my website, you know, blogs, my YouTube channel. Uh, 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 they could download a free leadership pamphlet. So just all kinds of stuff there. But that's the best way to get in touch with me uh, is just go to my website and you'll see my social media links there. You'll see my email address there, johngronsky.com. Awesome. Thanks, General. Stay with me. Hey, folks, you know what? This is a show I say that you're in control of three things. They're actually my core values. <laughs> your attitude, your effort, and your resiliency, right? You choose those regardless of your situation, right? You can have a positive attitude if you choose it. Your effort is linked to your excellence, right? So how, how excellent are you going to be today? And listen, we all get punched in the mouth from time to time. And there can be a hand trying to pull you up, but it's up to you to get up. So get up. I'm going to be back next week with another great guest. It's going to be another great book, which means it's automatically another great show. As I say to you all over the world, you know, you had a lot of choices. You chose us. Thank you. I appreciate you. Give us a positive review. Thumbs up on, on YouTube. That would be awesome. And as I say to you all over the world, you know what that is. Ciao, everybody. Your dreams will take you places you have never